Hello and welcome to a new podcast from the UCL Grand Challenges. My name is James Paskins and today I'm joined by Siobhan Morris from the Grand Challenges team, Josh Bailey, a PhD student in chemical engineering, and Nick Lessing, a PhD student in the Slade School of Art. Nick, in collaboration with Tom Heenan, a PhD student in UCL's Electrochemical Innovation Lab, received a Grand Challenges Doctoral Student Small Grant Award for their project an arts-science collaboration in renewable hydrogen energy for public events. So, Nick, could I just ask you to briefly describe the project? Yeah, so the original idea was to try to produce an electrolyzer which decomposes water into hydrogen that could be used to power a fuel cell. So, in this sense, we wanted to show the kind of transformation of energy from water using electricity to make hydrogen. So then I'll leave it to Josh to maybe talk about the the issues with hydrogen being used in public events. One of the great things about this project is it gave us a chance to join together some work that Nick was doing with solar electrolysis with some of the work that UCEL, an outreach group from the Electrochemical Innovation Lab, has been doing on promoting hydrogen and fuel cells. And one of the questions we got very often at our events when we were promoting hydrogen and fuel cells was that, well, where is your hydrogen coming from? You know, we would show them the gas bottles, we'd show them that we got it from a gas company, but they wanted to know what the source of it was. And we had to be honest that the majority of hydrogen these days is what we call brown hydrogen. It's created primarily from the steam-methane reforming reaction, which means you're using methane, you're using natural gas. And so what this project allowed us to do was to show that we can actually create something known as green hydrogen. We can create hydrogen from the electrolysis of water, and in this case using solar energy. The hope is to interact with the public to talk about this and to talk about the future of how we could use excess renewables in order to create green hydrogen that we can use in a future hydrogen economy. This work was in collaboration with Tom Heenan, who's a PhD student in the Electrochemical Innovation Lab. Can you just tell me a little bit about how you came up with the idea and how you got together? Well, we first started talking about exactly this problem that Josh has just mentioned. So it was just really just a response to this issue of how can we find a way to produce a low-cost electrolyzer. I was really interested in taking a kind of revisionist approach towards technology and this idea of open sourcing or sort of like democratising renewable technologies and doing this as a kind of artistic practice. It was really interesting to sort of find the common ground with the guys in the Electrochemical Innovation Lab but also the UCEL team and through these discussions with Tom and then also meeting Josh and meeting other members of the team we kind of worked towards the workshop that ended up being at Calthorpe, the Calthorpe Project in King's Cross. So what do you feel have been the benefits of working across disciplines? You mentioned it briefly there, but could you perhaps expand slightly? I'm really interested in ideas about utopia and future thinking and how maybe the problem isn't necessarily with developing new technologies, but maybe Mm. we have a lot of existing technologies that can be very, very effective. And talking with Josh and the other people at UCEL, I was always kind of really interested in why they're doing what they're doing and what their interests are beyond the science. And it sort of emerged, and especially when we went for our first meeting at Calthorpe, that there was a lot of common ground in, in the kind of excitement that we felt in wanting to do a project there and working with renewable and sustainable energies. I felt like these were the kind of ideas or the kind of visions, in a way, that we kind of shared somehow, is to do something for this community. Mm. 
Josh, likewise, could you maybe talk about how it was working with Nick and obviously it's quite unusual to have a collaboration with somebody. Sure, yeah. UCL is an outreach group that's um, come out of the Electrochemical Innovation Lab here at UCL and it's been working for about the last six or seven years at promoting hydrogen technologies. So, for example, we take our fuel cell stack to various festivals and power everything from stages to fridges for drinks and we then interact with the public with um, small demonstration kits to kind of explain exactly how the technology works and why we think hydrogen is going to play a, a large part in our energy mix in the future. We were quite lucky that some weeks prior to the grant, Nick had been introduced to our group as a PhD student at the Slade School of Fine Art. And that was unusual for us as a group of engineers, but it kind of got us thinking a little bit more broadly about the place that our technical background can have in society. And then this project kind of came off that and brought that to fruition because we started to think about, right, we can do stuff now that doesn't necessarily need it to be um, something we buy commercially. So you've got someone who's got some great talent, as Nick does, who can sort of put together an electrolyzer at low cost, think about how he wants it to look, think about how he wants people to access it at a, at a workshop. And we've got some great technical expertise in the new cell about how we can promote fuel cells, which, you know, the two go hand in hand. So it was a great sort of synergy of something that we couldn't do up until that point in new cell. We wanted to get an electrolyzer, but it was cost prohibitive. So by going down this route, we actually got this really nice, well-rounded, hydrogen economy type workshop by using a low-cost, really interesting electrolyzer and our kind of more commercial technical fuel cell stack. OK, uh, can I just ask you about some of the technology that makes the fuel cell work? There's a lot of work that goes on in the Electrochemical Innovation Lab, which is situated in the Chemical Engineering Department at UCL. And it's all surrounding fuel cells, batteries, electrolyzers, supercapacitors. But in terms of fuel cells and electrolyzers, a lot of the work goes into their performance, but also mitigating their degradation. And so just to sort of briefly summarize, a fuel cell has three main components, an anode, an electrolyte, and a cathode. The way that it works is with a fuel cell, you put in a fuel and you put in an oxidant, sort of halfway between a combustion engine and a battery. So there's no combustion like in a combustion engine, but you do have to put in fuel and oxidant. And it's like a battery because there's an electrochemical process, it's not combustion happening. But in the fuel cell, your fuel will come into the anode and it will get broken down into protons and electrons, so positive and negative species. And now the electrolyte is a really clever part. It doesn't allow any of those negative species, the electrons, to go through it. It only allows those positive ions, these protons, to go through. So the electrons are forced to go around an external circuit, which is where you get your electricity, where you can draw a load. And then on the cathode, those electrons reduce your oxidant, usually oxygen, to oxide. So your protons that came from the anode go through the electrolyte and they meet the oxide that's being made at the cathode. So what happens then is that you get a recombination and guess what? You've put hydrogen and oxygen in, the only thing you get out is water and your electricity. This technology has been going now since about 1839, but it's becoming much more prominent in times of us being more aware of climate change and local air pollution issues. But a lot of our work is centred upon how to make sure those reactions work as efficiently as possible, how they continue to work so that technology can be cheaper and more readily available. Also important to mention is that I don't know anything about fuel cells. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. Yeah. My kind of focus was specifically on electrolysis and it was just really like how these two very, very related but at the same time, they are kind of separate yeah. technologies. 
but how they can somehow work together. My original um, introduction to electrolysis was literally just putting metal things into water and putting a charge yeah. through them and that, seeing gas that, That's come the incredible up, thing, up. that a lot of people have come across electrolysis because you learn about it usually at GCSE level mm. or the equivalent outside the UK. But fuel cells are only recently becoming something that you study at sort of maybe A level, and that's really very recent. So actually those two things that are so wedded to one another, it's nice to be able to demonstrate both of those at the same time, which we haven't been able to do so much at our level and doesn't happen so much at, at school level. Can you tell us a little bit about how this fits in with the work of the Calthorpe Project and maybe say a little bit more about the Calthorpe Project? The Calthorpe Project is really interesting. So it's, it's a green space within obviously a very busy metropolitan space, London. It's very, very close to UCL and they do a variety of different things. So they grow some of their own produce, which they then sell in their cafe and then any of the remains gets used for composting. So there's a nice circular economy element to it. They also have a biodigester, so they produce their own biogas. And one of the projects that we're really interested in for the future is maybe producing some hydrogen for them to convert some of the methane that is produced and, and sort of up the yield that they're getting. So there's some new research that shows that the yield of methane can be increased on 60 to 95%. So if there's a low cost way of, of making hydrogen, a renewable way of making hydrogen, we can really add to the yield of their current processes that they're using at Calthorpe. As part of the project, you held an event entitled Hydrogen, the Fuel of the Future in June at the Calthorpe Project. So could you maybe speak a little bit more about who attended and what sort of questions they asked and how these interactions have shaped your research? For me, the kind of title of the workshop was really about well, about bringing up this idea that hydrogen had always been, I guess, is still considered to be a kind of energy of the future, since, I guess, Jules Verne was writing about it in the 1800s. And being introduced to the work done at UCL in the lab and meeting UCL and all these guys really sort of made me wonder why. I mean, we see the hydrogen buses, we do see there are kind of examples around and they're growing, but the potential of hydrogen is so far from being fully realised. I suppose the workshop was really about creating a discussion around that, but within a context of actually sort of not just seeing things happen and not just having things explained, but also giving people a chance to build and construct a simple electrolyzer, for example, and to see electrolyzers in operation, to see the gas coming up from the electrolyzers that we brought with us. What did people say in response to actually being able to have a go with these technologies themselves? And I think you even made some ice cream or something, did you not, Nick? So, yeah, the workshop was quite multifaceted. So we had some talks, we had some demonstrations that were uh, show and tell, and then there were some where audience members got to actually play with some cars and race them and also put together an electrolyzer. And there was, actually, we used the fuel cell stack to keep some cold drinks and some ice cream cold. So again, it, it was nice to be able to show the technology working right mm. there in front of them. But I think the really great pinnacle of it was them getting their hands dirty and actually putting together an electrolyzer and seeing, right, well, yes, there are some complexities to it, but there's also some aspects that anyone can pick up. And actually just physically having that in their hands makes them realize that the technology isn't something far from the future. It is something that is here now, and it's actually been here for quite some time. And we got a lot of questions during the, the talks, which we often do in UCL about safety and about infrastructure. 
they seemed to be very well-informed questions as well. And there were questions that we as a research community need to be ready and willing to answer and be honest about, whether that's that you have to be very, very careful with hydrogen, but at the same time, you have to be very, very careful with all fuels. You know, these are energy-dense substances. It's all about what mitigation strategies you use and what strategies you use to ensure that everything is done as safely as possible. And it seemed like people were really enjoying it. They got to see a whole selection of different things within the hydrogen economy being displayed. And um, we got a lot of positive feedback that they said it was enjoyable and fun. And luckily the sun was out, so we were producing lots of hydrogen <laughs> and everyone was very happy. When you look into the future, do you see this as something that people will have at home? That people will have their own electrolyzers and create their own hydrogen? Absolutely. <laughs> so what are the next steps you think you need to take to make this dream a reality? I, I think that the important thing is to take a global approach. So there are already places like Japan, Korea, Germany and the United States that are quite well developed in, in the way that they use hydrogen. Particularly in Japan, you have things called in farms, where you're talking about using hydrogen on an everyday basis in residential homes, as well as it's used in businesses across the globe. In the US, for example, hydrogen is often used for data centers, which are becoming you know, more and more prominent in, in a digitalized world. In terms of the direction the UK is going, there is a lot of traction in terms of maybe using it for transport. So there are fuel cell electric vehicles that are available here, but the infrastructure is the problem to overcome. But there is also um, hope, and this is why it's so interesting to, to work with someone from a different discipline, of looking at it from a, as a community perspective. How can communities start using some of these things? Could we maybe think about developing low-cost open-source alternatives to some of these commercial products? So you've got your kind of macro-scale global changes and some national changes, which are all very linked to policy and politics, unfortunately. But then you've also got on the kind of bottom-up side of things, community groups coming together and saying, look, we're interested in doing this. This will help us do this, this and this. How do we do it? How can we collaborate to make that happen? What about yourselves personally? What next? Has this led to any long-term collaborations or plans for the future? Yeah, we really hope that we can develop this idea with Calthorpe about injecting gas into the biodigesters that they have running there, which will make a tremendous difference to um, the quality of the gas that they can produce and what they can do with it. Calthorpe is also very, very interested in sort of developing technologies which can be relocated into different parts of the world where there's maybe different kinds of needs, but where the same technologies can apply. And as Josh said, like the, the issues with hydrogen are definitely about infrastructure and how this kind of gas can be used within existing energy um, structures. I think they're using it now where you have excess electrical surpluses, right? You, yeah. They're starting to the create hydrogen with unused electricity the from power stations. That's being injected into the grid, right? In the very near future, the, the idea is to have green hydrogen production. At the moment, mm. the surplus energy that is produced by renewables is not necessarily being converted into hydrogen. Now, there's work that's happening towards that end, but there's a lot of work that has to happen to ensure that we can have hydrogen in our pipelines. Now, they've run a project in Leeds that's looked at how, you know, could the city of Leeds be run off hydrogen? A lot of this work is looking at hydrogen for heating. It could be hydrogen for use in fuel cells for electricity and for heat. But um, a lot of this work is all geared up to seeing, like, how could we change our infrastructure? One of the real positives about it is that before natural gas in our networks, we had town gas. And that had a lot of hydrogen in it anyway. 
So there's a lot of good indications that we will be able to do this. We just have to look at the appliances that we use and make sure that they also function with hydrogen. And uh, yeah, so in terms of our our future collaboration, we really hope there's something that comes out of Calthorpe and the pilot gesture. But there's also hope that UCL and Calthorpe will have a, a closer collaboration in future for any products around circular economy. So hopefully not just that we've got involved over hydrogen, but maybe there could be a sustainability or circular economy improvement of collaboration that comes out of that. Yeah, and what's really exciting is the idea of the workshops is to really introduce people to the process of making hydrogen, what it is, to somehow go beyond this kind of obscurity of the technology. Mm. But also where this then could end up is very, very interesting, because if this is successful, it could find applications not just locally, you know, if they then take these technologies yeah. abroad and into places, other places that and, will and, find benefit. The, as far as I can tell, there's a huge move towards decentralization of energy and a huge move now that we've acknowledged that we need more energy storage on our grid balancing in our system. Hydrogen plays a pivotal role in both of those things. And so if we think about it on a community perspective, the more people that are familiar with these technologies, have heard about them, are not scared of them, and, and know some of the possible challenges that they might face, they might still be very encouraged to pick these up and as community groups come up with a way of, of using it and utilising it to their benefit. More generally, what advice would you give to researchers seeking to emulate yourselves or apply for a Grand Challenges doctoral small grant? Um, I wasn't the original collaborator on this project, but I think that it helped that there was already a framework in place that linked us. I think that if any researchers are interested personally or professionally in another discipline, make a connection. You know, go and have a chat with someone, have a coffee, send an email and say, I'm looking at this, but this also interests me. Once you've made that connection, maybe between you, you'll be able to see whether there is a Grand Challenges grant that's applicable or, or perhaps another grant. But I think that that kind of helped in this case, that you were already having conversations in a different discipline than your own. Do you think the project would have been possible without you, Sal? It would have absolutely been possible, but I think it was... I don't know, it would have worked yeah. anyway, yeah. of course, but it was just that already that these interests and these these activities were already there. So this was an enriching of, thing, wasn't yeah, it? It yeah, added absolutely. to it because there was some outreach activity and outreach expertise within the group that added to your own and to your own expertise in putting together a low-cost electrolyzer that I think the outcome was, you know, was that the sum was greater than its parts. Absolutely, that's really true. The U-cell team, they're already kind of interested in these wider discussions and how do we talk about this? How do we talk about policy and hydrogen? How do we talk about infrastructures and hydrogen? How do we, you know, how can we start those kinds of conversations? And that's, that is absolutely the kind of area that I'm interested in talking about as well. So I was interested in what the Slade is doing in the broader sustainability agenda. You were talking to me earlier and it sounded like there was a lot of work where artists want to become involved in sustainability. Absolutely. Yeah, there seems to be quite a strong push towards thinking about a lot of these things at the moment in the work that we're doing. And also from other courses, BA and MA level, I, I can see that there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in this area. So no, it's an interesting, exciting time and there seems to be openings and potentials where further projects can happen, definitely. 
And Josh, the same question to you, really. What other work you're aware of in chemical engineering that's, um, that's contributing to the wider sustainability agenda? Aside from UCEL, I'm also part of a collective called uh, People Power. We've been going now for the last three years, and what we're trying to do is broaden the scope a little bit, not just energy storage, but look at wind, look at solar, thermoelectrics, hydroelectrics, sort of looking at the broader sustainability picture and go to internal festivals, music festivals, schools, doing these sort of similar demonstrations but across a wider range of technologies. What's been interesting in that is that it's partly through UCL but it's also some external partners and so we we try to put together really interesting installations that bring together people from neuroscience, people from engineering, so that could be civil or chemical, some graphic designers, people that have made their own businesses actually out of UCL as well and the whole idea is to have a holistic approach to talking about sustainability and broader than people power there's also a lot of work that goes on within UCL as part of green UCL and sustainability week that's coming up later this year and there does seem to be around UCL a bit more of a buzz around take the cafe for example you know making sure that there's a small charge on using a disposable cup and an incentive therefore to buy your own sort of keep cup and then there's moves, you know, any new buildings that are built here have to abide by stringent regulations to make sure that they are energy efficient. So around UCI, I think there's a lot more discussions going on around sustainability in general. I think it's very, very interesting as well in terms of a teaching institution, in terms of how we think about the future in a sort of wider sense, like these sort of ideas of implications of climate change and how we imagine the future and what the role of an academic institution within that can be you know we're looking at sustainability in terms of like how we use things Mm. and how we interact Mm. with plastics and all these things but it's also thinking about how we think and how we teach and how we imagine the future and I think this is a really interesting point where a teaching institution has to kind of embrace these problems or these things. You know, interdisciplinary work seems to be an extremely important way of approaching these problems. And exactly on that theme of sustainability, in the grant application, you stated that the project would aim to address the question of how do we get society safely to the end of the 21st century? So what did you conclude? I think that... One of the things that was clear is that community engagement is key, that you are probably only going to get to a place where these new technologies and new ways of thinking are accepted if you go for the bottom-up approach more than the top-down. And talking to community groups like those that we interact with at the CalThought Project means that you are addressing concerns, you are providing some hope and some opportunities but you're really addressing the problem where it is, which is that people don't necessarily know what's happening in research institutes. So I think one of the learning points from my involvement in the project was the more we can do at the community level, the better. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you very much to Josh and Nick, uh, and I look forward to finding out more about your uh, project as it progresses. If you'd like to find out more about the work from the Grand Challenges, you can visit our website at www.ucl.ac.uk slash grand-challenges and you'll be able to find out more about this work and other work we funded there.